This week we spoke with Cuban trumpet virtuoso Miguelito Valdez. Miguelito made it to the top in the Latin music scene in Cuba and went on to tour with the Buena Vista Social Club all over the world. Listen on to hear his fascinating story, beginning with his early music education. We got the chance to start when we're young. Uh, the schools start for, for example, we got we go to like long careers, the violin or fiddle, whatever you want to call it, uh, all the strings or piano, the, the long careers. So you start when you're in third grade. Oh, wow. A little audition, you know, to see your uh, physical conditions, you know, if you got fingers for it. Or, you know what I mean? They try you, and then you have to do a, a test, musical test too. Oh, Don't really? collect some intonation, you know, you repeat whatever in the piano, you realize which one is higher, whatever, blah, blah, blah. higher, lower, you know. So you do like. A, this is in your public school, like in grade three, then they'll kind of take yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and... They're not looking for you. You have to look for the school. Okay. So what is it? If you have the interest to be a musician, then your parents have to take you to this, uh, let's say in Havana, we got like three or four schools like that in different uh, municipalities. Mm -hmm. So you can go through that, depends which one is closer to you, hopefully works. If it's not, you have to go to somewhere else. <laughs> but yeah, you do this test, if you pass, and they, they think that you are, so it's a comp competition actually, you know? It's an audition. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of people getting in there. So, wow. And then that school, which would be your, uh, let's say elementary and middle school, then you pass to a, like more, more like a college kind of thing. That's yeah. what I did. Like, so I, I did the elementary school, but in my case, because it's trumpet, clarinet, all the other instruments would be like a shorter career. So we started in grade six. Mm -hmm. You do that text test, sorry, in grade six. And they say, okay, uh, depends what they have for the school too. In my case, I really wanted to be a percussionist. But they didn't have uh, enough, uh, actually, they didn't have at all. They didn't have percussion in that music school. They have, uh, it was a hybrid of uh, plastic arts, you know, like painting and all that. Sure. Some ballet or dance and mm -hmm. some in the same school, right? All com combined over there. So in my case, they only have like clarinet, guitar, uh, like choir, uh, vocal, director, right. choir, uh, trumpet. But not because, so, man, it was it was crazy. So I said, okay, let's say I, I I'm gonna grab the trumpet for now, and then when I move to the next school or something, the next level, I switch to percussion. Right? It never, never happened. It never happened. I stay stay with the trumpet all, all life. But so, that was so that was my initial. You know, I started younger than that with the with the uh, old kids uh, band. It was mm -hmm. kind of like a special program. Uh, and all the lady has for uh, like a small group of kids playing music together. So I started like two years before getting to school. I started with that group just to sing, you know, play a little bit of everything, you know, a little bit of drums, a little bit of piano. But then I got this uh, audition with the school. So I started to play the trumpet officially in a school. And you do trumpet lessons like almost every day. It's not like, a, you know, and also the all the different I find. Uh, without without saying that it's bad or, or good, uh, that's the difference. I'm just saying it's different. When people show up at the lessons, if you're not good, you'll be in trouble. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you don't do it better. And sometimes people I find in, in countries like Canada, for example, where we are, like people pay for the lesson. You know, they, I, I used to teach a little bit a lot of my way. And the first time, it was for me a little like confusing, right? Because the guy is paying money 
to go and take a lesson with me. Mm. But then I tell him, okay, go practice this. And then they go home and they come back the next week, pay me the money again, but work at the week that they can be paid. Like, what are you doing, man? You're wasting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, exactly. and I, I, I could not say, like, okay, go home, you know, forget about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what the teachers would say to you, Cuba, you know? Really? Yeah, go home, practice. You come back when you're ready or bring your parents next time. You know, it's really strict. Wow. Really strict. So you need to be, you, you need to practice. You need to be getting better, 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 better. They really force you. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like the actual music that uh, you were hearing at that time, I guess, um, was, you know, was your musical influence um, wholly just the local stuff um, that you were hearing or were you hearing you know, stuff coming from America on the radio or um, from South America, things like that? Or was it just pretty much like Cuban music? No, it, it, it was pretty, pretty like a global kind of thing. There uh, were not much, much like North American music because of the communism or whatever, socialism, whatever. Yeah. At some point before my times, it was even pro- prohibited to do it. You know, yeah. like Beatles, the, the Beatles times and all that, it was in Cuba, it was, was not possible to hear that. You had to do mm-hmm. it like, on the ground kind of thing. Yeah. It was opening a little bit. We we knew Michael Jackson, you know, we, yeah, we knew the big the big stuff, only the bigger stuff, you know, the yeah. one that traveled all over the world. That's from North America. But we got we got a lot of relations with the South American countries, for example, Brazil or any any other any other countries. I mean we were open to that. And mm-hmm. of course music was there too. Especially yeah. when we went to school, our training in school was at all Cuban. Not at all. Nothing Cuban. Nothing like Latin. It's all it's all classical training. Oh wow! So we we started with the Russian method, you know, and we do like do re mi fa sol la si do, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And uh, and the Russian school basically, saltfish and all that. Wow! Uh, but the influence was mostly the Cuban music, of course. That's what mm-hmm. we got. Uh, poor poor people, man. We don't have uh, the equipment. That for example, we have here the internet was in around. Yeah, and also have all only like the radio basically. I, in my house, I didn't didn't have the money. The family didn't have the money to buy like a recorder, tape recorder, or something. And at the school, so if you're studying all classical, but in terms of ensembles outside of school, I guess you're playing more sort of Cuban and Latin influenced music there. That's, the, that's the only way you couldn't you couldn't right, learn right. The, the the Latin music. Yeah, going mm-hmm. outside, going okay. outside. And so how did you kind of get more into, because you, when we were talking over the email, you said you're primarily like a Latin musician, yeah. right? And so getting more into that, how did that sort of transition occur from sort of more classical stuff in your school yeah. to, you know, playing in sort of Latin ensembles? That's good. Yeah. Well, some guys, they love to uh, to do the classical stuff, you know, if right. they want to do that, of course, they focus more on school, you know, and, and get it done there because that actually that's the way they're training you there. In my case, a little lazy with that past <laughs> over the years. No, I passed. I, I had to practice the classical stuff, but I wasn't fan of it. So to get my uh, certificate, I got to finish that. But then I was always like going to that that route, you know, play the commercial way, you know, playing the, the Latin stuff. So at a young age, uh, I told you already, like I was playing with this uh, kids band, but it was already playing Latin music too, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I kept going, I kept going, I kept doing that with them. And then after that, I was probably like 17 or 18 years old when I started playing professional. 
still kind of like the last year of the school, like the, the college that I just, mm-hmm. what I did, I didn't, uh, because it was more like classical training. So I, I didn't need that. I, don't, I didn't want that. So I went to the school outside, you know, the, 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 the street school. Uh, so I started playing with the, with some uh, professional bands already when I was 17 or 18. And I started with the, what I wanted to call our roots kind of thing. It was like a septet. It was only like a guitar, a tres guitar. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. No. It's, a, it's a kind of a guitar with only like six strings, but they got pairs, like three pairs. Oh, I see. Yeah. And those two are in a octave, you know, like the same note, but two different octaves. So. Yeah. And when you when you when you play, it sounds like a major chord. That could be like I don't know, G, B, E, or something like that, or D, F, uh, A, F sharp, of course, like a D major chord or whatever. So, and then you you play like those two tonte, like a piano. You basically do like a piano work in this kind of ensemble. So it's not piano. So it's two guitars, like guitar, tres guitar, uh, opera bass, bongos, and trumpet. The rest is just maracas, claves. So. This is the band that you can see everywhere in Old Havana. Mm-hmm. All the little pops, all the little, you know. Uh, sometimes they change the trumpet for a flute or a sax, whatever, but that's basically it. That's basically it. And I, I started playing that. That gave me the possibility to start improvising at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forced course me, because it was, so it's only you. Mm-hmm. So you do the everything, you know, you know, you start the intro. You're the melody, and you are doing the company when the lyrics are going, and then you improvise, then you do the mambos, you do everything, basically. Yeah. And when you're working with uh, singers, uh, lots of them, and guitar players, you know, they use this thing, I can't remember how it's called, you know, to play in different keys, they just move it, and they yeah. play this. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you remember, but yeah. I feel, yeah, I forget what it's so called. But... Fine, Sejilla, so they move it, you know, they, they put it in a different place and then they just play the same chord, but sounds like three, three, uh, you know, tones uh, up or right. something like that. So the the capital, right? They, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing. So they play like F major, you know, all those weird uh, 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 keys for the trumpet, you know what I mean? Mm. Like D or A flat minor or things like that, you know, crazy. And so you have to, oh my God. So, yeah. <laughs> Give me the chance to actually improvising all this weird keys and learn, you know, learn how to survive and then you, it's, it's really important I, I see as a musician, like some people uh, don't know, don't realize, but if you really want to be an improviser, you need to start earlier. Mm-hmm. Do it. Do it for a long time so you you feel confident when you go somewhere and you want to do it, you know, you're not afraid to oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm going to look good or bad or whatever, you, you know what I mean? You just pose yourself as a kid with people would say, oh, it's doing okay. Yeah, I don't keep working. You know, it's not the same as, as you are 30 years old and you show up like doing a couple of notes and like, what are you doing? What? <laughs> exactly. So, did, did that and, come, um, oh, sorry, you go, Marvin. Did, did that come easily to you, the, the improvising, or was it sort of a long process that you became acquainted with all the different keys and sort of maneuvering over that? Or You know, I, yeah, I, I think it was easy for me, man. I got, I got, uh, I got that impression, impression myself of musicians. Some musicians are born with this. Mm-hmm. Some others learn how to do this. Right. Yeah. And in a way, I think I noticed. I'm not saying that I'm special, but but maybe you guys too. Like it's easy to notice when some people do it. Like 
learn because they learn how to do it. And some people do it because they just do it. Yeah. But sure. they became better, of course, when they do it more and more and more and more. But for some people, it's easier. You know, it's easier to create, create, create melody, create stuff in their mind, you know. That's something I have in a in a favor, my my own favor, but sometimes it's tricky because I avoid a little bit uh, the method, how to learn scales or chords and things like that. And that is good when you want to play with a lot of feel or feelings, you know, but then when you need to play something more complicated, you know, like something like uh, giant steps or something weird. Something, yeah, well, you, you need to know a little better. I mean, your ear yeah. would be better, but maybe not the right place, you know what I mean? So it's good to know a little bit of both. But I find yeah. it better when a guy can improvise by by heart, you know, and just doing whatever he feel. Mm-hmm. That learning, you know, it sounds a little bit more like, blah, 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 you know, the guy learning just the scales and, and trying to play again. Without nobody telling me, I start playing with my ears. So a bunch of my buddies and myself, we play around hear some sounds and trying to reproduce the sounds right away in the instrument. It could be a bird singing or a clap song, you know, like a, a car. Oh, what yeah. was that? Try to find it right away. <laughs> yeah, and that helps us because every time then you, you hear a chord, you hear a couple of notes at least from that chord. You know what I mean? It's the same of trapposing, you know, like writing, writing down the, the solos from it. Right. Yeah, that, that connection with uh, sort of learning it early, I think, makes a lot of sense because in a way it's like learning a language, right? And exactly. so the younger you learn it, the more kind of natural it feels. Then it's almost like first language versus second language in a way when you come at it more from a theoretical point of view, I feel. Yeah, you can really hear it when someone's you know been ensconced in that from a very young age. They, they There's something different about it, yeah. That's true, man. That's true. That's true. And also, what I say, I mean, you feel more confident to go and play, no problem. True. But to do it, it's not magic. It's not like a, even if you have it in you, if you don't do it and do it and do it and get yeah. better. You got to work on it. Yeah, you got to work on it. It's also like a bank of scenes that you have in your head, right? It's like a hard drive you have with a lot yeah. of there. And then when you provide, okay, you're creating that long, long phrase right there. No, all that is in there and it's just connecting stuff. Mm-hmm. to Sounds like a all like a big phrase or a long phrase, but it's all stuff that you have in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just combining, combining sounds and going with it. Yeah. And uh, in terms of so, just going back to that um, group, you said you were playing in uh, coming out of, or I guess in your last couple of years of the college. Would you yeah. guys play in like clubs in Cuba or just you know busking on the street? What kind of settings were you guys playing in? Yeah, no, in my case, it was a little more like uh, playing uh, playing concerts. And we did a little bit of uh, hotels. Hotels, uh, okay. tourist people, because it's kind yeah, of like... Yeah. This, this was before the Buena Vista Social Club became even famous. But the Cuban music has been always like that. You know, in Europe, all over America, whatever. The, the people, the small bands have been traveling. You know, then the Buena Vista came and it was a boom. It was something yeah. like that. But... But uh, the idea of having uh, traditional dance playing around town was always there. So my first jobs uh, were like that, like just playing in a in an old Havana, you know, that kind of tourist place in a hotel. Uh, I did that for like um, I don't know two three times a week or something like that. Yeah, pretty amazing. Pretty. I mean, I got a lot of stories like a in a, in a monetary. I don't how do you say like an economic way to put it there, right? Like it was like a 
but having nothing to have a little bit of money, you know, and when you work there, and yeah. uh, also also finding a way to survive. But uh, um, yeah, it, it, it is tough there. It's not like you're making a lot of money, but you're surviving with the tips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I remember a case uh, we used to get like a bottle of rum, like a nice bottle of rum for the band every day. Yeah. Well, what we did instead of drinking that rum, we just sell it. <laughs> yeah. And then we make money, you know, so that every yeah. time one guy would get like five bucks, like dollars I'm talking about, yeah. which more than what we were making for a month. In oh, wow. I, I don't know if you, I mean, we get some money paid by the agency, but it was only like five bucks or something like that a month. So every wow. time we bottle, we, we get the same, you know what I mean? So it was a, mm-hmm. like a bonus kind of thing. And then we just go and buy a, a cheaper bottle of rum made at home. <laughs> We're still drinking, you know. It's exactly. not exactly <laughs> way to do it. No, yeah, we just find a way to survive. I remember it was it was good for my family. I still in Cuba. We still live with our parents for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the market of buying places or selling is not as as it is somewhere else. Yeah. So you live with basically with your parents forever. It's the same house, the family house is forever, you know, one, if you have one. And then uh, you get married, your wife moves with you, or you move with your wife. But you live in somebody else's uh, house, you know what I mean? So bringing this money to my family was, it was good. It was, it was great, you know, and I, it, it felt good for me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, at school, well, with my friends, when we were uh, studying, I also learned how to do a little bit of jazz. Mm. And the way I probably you have a question for that, but I was just gonna talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we get together and we pass along these uh, cassettes. You know, hey, listen to Fred Cobar or listen to you know Arturo Sandoval or listen to you know whatever whoever we could find. We're kind of like uh, passing the same cassette with a lot of careful, you know, like yeah, yeah. It's funny because you guys probably don't. You didn't leave the time for cassettes. <laughs> no. We're not around when that happened. You know? No, yeah. it's crazy, man. So I, I remember the first solo I uh, transcribed myself. I got into that pretty early too, and I, I asked to I asked my neighbor to give me the tape recorder for mm-hmm. a couple of hours. So I played, and it was a, a band from Cuba, uh, close to the Irakere band. You know, Chucho Valdez. Yeah. Same idea. Same idea. They actually were like three or four of the guys that used to play with him that were in this other band called NH Lava Crazy, crazy band with a lot of brass and stuff like that. So it was a trumpet player, like I really like his playing. And uh, he got a like a flugel, flugel horn solo. That was my first solo, man. And it took me a bit. Uh, when I when I transcribe it, I didn't put the rhythm, I just put the notes on the stuff. Because I knew the solo by memory, right? So I just put the notes just to make sure. Note the notes, like a little, just a head, and then I just play it on top. And that was the first one. And then from there, you know, one of my favorite uh, recordings of uh, all times is the Freddie Howard with uh, Woody Shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are amazing. That was, yeah, the one with Sandu. Yeah, it's funny. I was just listening to that the other day, actually. When oh, somebody man. sent it to me. Yeah, one of the, one of the best. One of the best, yeah. uh, always. Uh, so I, I actually uh, did also some transcribing from that. But we got that also. You know, and, then, and then the Cuban music was like an everyday kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, after that, I got the chance to play with many, many things, you know. But that's another story. Maybe I can let you guys, sure. I'll let, I'll let you guys do another, uh, another question. <laughs> That, that period of time where you're kind of like scrambling about selling rum bottles to yeah. kind of keep it together and stay afloat. How long was that? And then what kind of led the transition to maybe making it over here to North America? And uh, sure. yeah. that, that, You know, we probably need a couple of these interviews if I go in detail <laughs> to do that. Because I'm talking about when I was 17 or 18. And then uh, I would say, unfortunately, because it's not fun when you don't want to do it. Uh, I got in Cuba the, the military uh, service is mandatory. Mm, okay. Well, for every man, if you are healthy, you gotta go for two years. But in my case, I have to do it. I got no issues, you know, my health or anything. So I did the military band, the the band, sorry, the band, not the band, mm. band. military band for two years. Uh, but the thing is that it's not. I'm in the military band right now, but I'm getting paid, you know, great money and I'm doing great. I'm playing with great musicians. It's not the case there. Uh, they only pay like 23 Cuban pesos a month, which is a dollar a month. And uh, you have to stay in bar- barracks. They give you only the weekends. Uh, not all of them. Wow. Or whatever, they give you a weekend to go home or maybe once a week, one day a week, you go and visit your family. But you can imagine that after, you know, already been playing outside and all that. I even did a little tour to Venezuela before getting to this phase of my life. So from 1994 to 1996, I was doing the service. Like, I, mean, I can say there's always something good about things happening in your life. So I learned how to actually play a little bit of concert band stuff. Mm. Uh, when I was there, I was doing solos, you know. Also started to get better or doing all kind of solos, you know, it could be a big solo in front of the whole band, you know, or just a little improvising on top of some chords or whatever. But but it gave me the chance to explore and open a little more about music, of course. But what, I finished that. And then uh, about maybe six months before finishing this uh, military service, we are recording a CD for the government. And... Uh, with music of one of the composers there, like famous guy. So they call uh, 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 Manuel Guajiro Mirabal. I don't know if it sounds the name for you, but he's a trumpet player on the movie of the Buena Vista. Oh, okay. So all this guy to reinforce the trumpet section. Yeah. As I said, not everybody was a good player. Uh, there were some people that actually doing for three or five years in the military just to be able to get into the music business. So my starting from zero, you show up in a band, they give you a trumpet or a clarinet, you don't know how to play, and you have next thing you're marching and playing. Forget about it. It wasn't yeah. so but anyway, so they, they called this guy to play with us. So I got the chance to meet the guy, man. He's an unbelievable, unbelievable guy, you know, uh, awesome, awesome older guy, but super good uh, as a person, as a as a player, he's a legend in the in the in Cuba. So I just asked him, hey, man, I would love to uh, go and check it out. He was playing in Tropicana, which is a big nightclub in, in Havana with a big band. They travel all over the world, whatever. And uh, he was doing that for many years already, on top of being in another business and playing with many people, you know. 
So he said, okay, let me see what I can do. And he recognized me from a little video clip that I was doing with the band that I used to be. You know, the, mm, a little right. oh, yeah. About? yeah, we played something for the TV and then he recognized me. Oh, you're the guy playing that tune, Cachita. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I kinda, he kind of liked it, liked uh, what, what I did in that solo that I did in that tune. I said, okay, let me, let me talk to the guys there or whatever. Next thing, the CEO of the band is saying, okay, if you want to go to Tropicana, then you're okay. Just let me know and I'll give you the pass to go. Wow. Six months before finishing, I started to play in Tropicana, like shopping, doing a sub. I remember yeah. the guy I showed up there, they asked me to, to sit down and play because that guy, one guy couldn't make it. He's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So I was just, it's a, diff- <laughs> it's a different world. Different world to be playing with the band that you know, and you're just playing a lot of stuff by ear, you know, mm-hmm. charts, but then you, you learn the charts and then you just play by ear and play and play every day it's the same. But now you show up at a show with a lot of changes, you know, and rhythm, you know, like a, a signature and, and, and rhythm changes, you know, it's a show. It goes from something fast, uh, yeah, and then go back to cold, and then move here, you know, crazy. The charts were like three pages, four pages, you know, crazy. <laughs> So I was like, oh my God, what is this? But uh, of course, I didn't I didn't do so good that day. And <laughs> then <laughs> that I was playing. But what, they, they gave me a chance to do a little solo, like improvising on top yeah. of some. So I did good on that. Okay, blah, blah, blah. so okay, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, he can do it. Whatever. So they started to call me uh, little by little as a sub, like for people. Uh, two of my, my old time buddies, like it's been my, my, my friends, like my brothers, since then to, to today, we're still talking every day. We're there, and these are two other trumpet players that play with me in the Afrotino All Stars many years after. Jaure mm-hmm. Muniz, which is in Boston, he went to actually Berkeley after living there for a bit. And then there are a guy living in Curaçao, one of the islands, uh, Netherlands islands. Igor Rivas. So anyway, they were there already, but they also were playing with a lot of uh, big bands like for dancing uh, outside of Tropicana. So Tropicana was a regular job like every night. You only have like Monday night off. So that was every day was somebody getting another job or another call, so they called me to go and play. And I can tell you, if we keep talking about money, every time I go, they pay me a dollar. Wow. To stop. So, and that was the first thing. Already, because I was only making like 23 Cuban pesos, which is also a dollar for the whole month and, you know, inside the military. So every time I go, so I, I end up making sometimes 20 or 30 bucks, you know, like dollars a month. So that, was, that was amazing. So, <laughs> so anyway, after being there, stopping those six months, the time comes that I had to, I mean, I was free to go. And then I stopped playing Tropicana. Uh, they do a contract for me, so I was one of the guys playing in Tropicana. So I did that job for four or five years after. After, and it was amazing because I got the chance to play with these amazing trumpet players and travel, start traveling all over the world. That was the first time I went to England, and we actually played the Royal Albert Hall. Wow! wow. It was unbelievable. It was the first time a Latin band played in there. At the show Tropicana. There's actually a DVD. Around there, uh, they, they made it actually a DVD. They are selling it. Uh, I was listening to one of the recordings uh, on YouTube the other day, and it's, what, it's me doing the solo. It's amazing. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, I was a young guy, just 20 something, yeah. wow. playing with 
two more guys that they were 50 something, 60 years old, amazing travel players. So I learned a lot with these guys. You know, Alemanyi was there, another guy, and uh, Manolo. We call it Mascachicle, you know, like the gum sugar. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so it was, it was that was that was that was amazing. A good time in my life. So I started playing there, I traveled a bit with them. And then from that occasion, then I got to the Buena Vista Social Club. Because I was working there with Guajiro Mirabal, which is a trumpet player from the movie, the documentary. And by the time Omar Portuondo, the old lady singer of the Buena Vista, she uh, split from the band. So they had to create a band for her. Yeah. They asked this trumpet player, hey, who, who you, do you recommend? For the job, and he already said right away, okay, you can do it. So, yeah, and it also was a great experience for me to get uh, technically better playing the trumpet. Mm. When I was playing this band, the the septet, I was not forced to do high notes or anything like it. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just hit a D or an E, like uh, really tough. Man, playing with these people like every night, only watching them how they do it. And then start doing it myself. I end up doing like double C's, and oh yeah, in a, in, a, in a year or so, I was already you know getting the range and getting the power. And so it was like a school. It was like a second school for me. For the trumpet players that might be listening to this, I think they would be curious to hear how do you go about extending your range more, and what kind of practices do you employ? Yeah, you know, that's, advice or. <laughs> No, no, it's okay, man. I'm not a, I'm not a technician. I'm not, I'm not a technical guy. You know, I yeah. always play. But remember, I wanted to be a percussionist. So I always, <laughs> the trumpet. Yeah, I was, I was just stuck with the trumpet. So yeah. I always did it. I never practiced that much. I was always choose to be more of the musical guy. You know, trying to fit the music more with whatever I could do. It's, you know, but it's really important. And I'm after many years doing that. Uh, I mean, many years playing the trumpet now i realize how many things could be done better to mm. to do that but there's no secret i mean you need to play you need to play like crazy you need to play and that was the school i told i'm telling you like tropicana was crazy every day we play every yeah. two three hours every day you mm-hmm. know and, and 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 then you just start forcing yourself a little bit a lot of people here i find they're afraid to uh pass the line or cross mm-hmm. the limit and with the trumpet, it's like any sport. If you don't cross that limit, you don't gonna be able to. Uh, uh, let me see. Uh, I don't know. Let's say somebody wanna grow up uh, or grow, and they they have to hang, you know, and put weight in your feet. So you gotta like go. <laughs> it's kind of like that idea. So you have, to, yeah. you have to press yourself to the limit and pass a little bit. And then that won't be the limit anymore. The limit will be moving, moving a little mm-hmm. bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you. And you you push a little more. Now you when you go back, your limit is a little over here. So you you keep moving, keep moving. And it's the same with the range. If you never do it, it's not gonna happen. But of course, there's all the things like air. Some people talk about the tongue position. Some people talk about the 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 for the trumpet players the the, the, the power that you need to have in the muscles over here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You need to, these have the power over here too. Otherwise, the air is gonna if you go a lot of air pressure going, we would go everywhere instead of going in the public place. There's many methods, many, many, many talks, many great professors out there. There's a lot of chances to get a good lesson now, man. 
it's not like in my time it was just friends, you know, saying what to do. And it was a little bit tough. It was a little tough. Like I got good teachers, but they never taught me exactly, you know. They taught yeah, me more quickly yeah. or, you know, like sounds like a trouble or how to hit the nose, like, you know, whatever. But all that kind of stuff, I just learned on the street, mm-hmm. just going and doing it, doing it. I mean, how many times I break my lips in half over here? Like, I got this cut. Yeah. But I see people here, like, I, I, I've been playing with many, many people, man. And sometimes they just go, like, oh, no, no, it's going to break. Don't forget about it. I'm going to stop. No, 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 stop. Just break it. Go ahead and, you know, do it. Then tomorrow will be better. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, exactly. And that's the way we, we did it. Yeah. And so... After the Buena Vista Social Club, what did you? We looked up your bio, and there's, <laughs> there's, you've played with just a list of incredible jazz musicians. And how, how did those sort of opportunities come about? And how did you get yeah. that, well, these people? Before that, before that in Cuba, also I did a lot of, uh, like I did some of the we call it like the dance uh, bands kind of thing, like they're popular for the crowd to mm-hmm. dance. Oh, I see. Okay, like yeah, like a lot of music, but for that, so I did that too. With a with a great band over there for a bit, and then after getting to the when I went to past also with another great band is uh, Havana Ensemble, and it's also like three of the guys from Miraquere from Chucho Valdez mm-hmm. that they move out of the band and they create this band. So I did a couple of uh, tours with them. That was that was great with the sax player Cesar Lopez, another guy Alfred Thompson, and. Uh, so we did. Uh, we went to Brazil, Argentina. We did a little bit of touring of that. When I come back, then I got this job with the Buena Vista. And man, these guys were like, I don't know, so famous. Everywhere we go, it was a big deal, you know. Yeah. Best hotels, best festivals. So I could be having, you know, my breakfast in Tokyo, and then the next uh, table would be Herbie Hancock sitting there with uh, Michael. Brown. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's 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 all. That's the opportunity. I mean, I feel pretty lucky myself to be in that position because I'm not, as I say, I never, never uh, went really deep in jazz. Like all, yeah. like all the friends of mine, like Cuban guys, mm-hmm. they were really, really. I, I got a guy, man. That I, I think I'm gonna send you the name and the info so you can check it out. Sure. He also was in Iraqere for a bit, and uh, his name is Mario Felix uh, Hernandez. These guys could play the trumpet like like Clifford Brown or Freddie Howard or whatever, and he knew every solo from every CD. He yeah. could play even from Freddie Howard, and he could play the solo from Take Two and Take Three. You know, sometimes they get he, he could wow. just so that's that's how deep they went. You know what I mean with jazz. Mm-hmm. So imagine myself, and when I'm talking about talking for example, jazz festival, but there's some videos around on YouTube and all that, and in the middle of that playing with. Uh, Michael Brecker beside me, Wallace Ronnie, Wallace yeah. Ronnie, then uh, Wayne Shorter. And I'm, I'm looking at myself and saying, what, what is this, man? What am I doing here? You know what I mean? What, what is this? This is insane. It's, it can't be possible. Yeah. But of course, I was just doing my Cuban, my Latin stuff. You know, uh-huh. they hired from our band to play with them. And they yeah. hired the percussionists, the Latin percussionists, and they want to do a, like a jam, like a big jam. So we did, but it was my English was nothing, it was zero. So I'm showing up, standing there, I don't know what to do. And these guys have been touring for a bit. They're playing a Wayne Shorter tune, which is, you know, that could be not easy. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they all knew what to do. They all knew what they were doing. No charts, nothing. So I called my manager. Hey, man, you know, I feel terrible here. I don't know. I mean, we're 20-something years old. But I say, you know, I'm here, but I don't know. These guys know what they're doing already. They've been touring. I don't know. I don't. So he asked one shoulder. Man, this is a terrible, terrible story. It's kind of embarrassing. When Chore show up later with a piece of uh, music stuff, hand, hand write the tune. He hand write the tune for me. Hmm. So I play the tune. I don't know what the hell I did with that chart. I probably left it on the stand, you know. I just <laughs> forget about it. I just went. Uh, you know? So stupid, man. But, you know, it's part of being ignorance about... Uh, Let's say when Chodrick made it, he's, he's a big name, you know, like, but for me, it, it wasn't at that time. Yeah. I, wasn't, I was not aware, you know. And then would you say um, having that experience, you know, being on stage with uh, with those absolute legends, um, did that sort of motivate you to uh, explore the jazz world a little more? Of course, of course, yeah. of course, even, even, uh, Oh, I'm too bad that I can't remember his, na his name right now. He's a guy from uh, from the Scandinavian uh, countries. Okay. The field or something, I can't remember. But he was using these uh, pedals. So he was playing the oh, trumpet, yeah. using mm -hmm. pedal. Oh, that was the first time I saw that. Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. where is coming from? You know what I mean? So you open up that also. Uh, and then, of course, moving to Canada was the, the top of the, you know, the the, the, the last drop in the in the class. Yeah, exactly. Glad because you're forced, you're forced to, you know, you can only make a living just playing what kind of music. You have to mm -hmm. you have to open your mind and do everything. Yeah. Any so so that that touring time, I, I think usually a lot there's a lot of sort of stress involved in sort of managing that and staying sane when you're traveling constantly all across the world. Do you have any sort of particular experience or advice you have for musicians who are on tour constantly and how to deal with that better? Yeah, well, it's it's depend how you do it, right? If you're young, you're not gonna think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it won't be the same for me. It won't, it won't be the same for me touring right now than when I did when I did. Yeah, for sure. I, I didn't think about it. You know, I, I was just happy. I was just young. I could be the whole night uh, out with friends, you know, somewhere else, and then go next day and travel ten hours on a bus and then play. Doesn't matter. Didn't matter. Yeah. When you're getting old, you gotta be careful with all that. You can do it. You can keep up with that. But but if you wanna be a conscious guy, you know, you wanna be, you know, you should should take care of it because otherwise you pay after. You know what I mean? Like I, in myself, in my own uh, experience, I, I had trouble with my amateur and stuff like that after yeah. many years. You know, uh, I have to reset myself and mm -hmm. move. A little bit to the side to get it better. I couldn't play anymore on this side, kind of thing. I was, I was going like a lot to this side for some reason. I don't know, I didn't notice by years. You know, your teeth move a little bit too, you move the stuff, so it's, it's complicated. The trumpet, but as a musician in general, take care of yourself, you know, don't be stupid. But you can say that as an old man that I am right now, right? I'm 46, but when you're young, you just do it, man. You enjoy the only thing I can say is enjoy, you know, be in the place because you want to be in. You know, you really want to do it. You enjoy, and uh, of course, you gotta practice. You gotta be, you know, be on time. Don't be ridiculous. You know, don't don't be, you know, like you almost lose a fly because you were 
having a party the night before. No, that's not cool. Yeah. That's not, of, course, of course, you know. But enjoy, man. Enjoy. You know, music is something like, it's so hard right now to see what's happening in the world with the music, man. Yeah. Being for a lot of people. But uh, in the same way, see how many people have been created and, you know, and, and creating stuff to do. Exactly, and yeah. Keep going, you know, and... Working around it. Working around it. Yeah, and then if you really want to do it, it's something that, you know, I have that conversation with a lot of people. Some other friends that have uh, some trouble playing the instrument. Some of them wanted to give up, you know, like I say, okay, no, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to find another job. Or whatever. Okay, I just said to them, and I think I hear this from uh, a great concertino player, you know, like a violin player some sometime in a mm-hmm. documentary. Like if you feel yourself like you can do another job, like it's not music, do it. You know what I mean? But if you feel like the only thing you can do is music, then you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you ever feel like there's something else that you can do for a living, like it's not music, then just go and do that because you're not going to be music, you know, as good as, you know, like you should be, if you really, this is what I want to do, I want to do music, you go for music. You know what I mean? I take that approach. Yeah, there has to be some sort of serious or implicit drive to do it or else it's not worth it. Other way, yeah, other way is just like, okay, you're doing it, but, oh, you know what I mean? You feel like something else will give you better life or you enjoy more or whatever. Just go and do that, man. Forget about it, music. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's basically it. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of getting towards the the end of the hour, and so we usually like to end off with a question about sort of who your greatest idols musically, artistically are. Like, if you want to name some names and talk about certain people in your life, maybe just to yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's so many, man. That's so many. It's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least we go on. At least we go on. I, I learn from everybody, for sure. I enjoy I enjoy watching people playing around me, and uh, uh, or playing or I'm playing with people, you know, or learning from everybody. It could be a recording, it could be just playing live. But I can tell you that I got something from everybody, everybody. Even if I go and teach uh, some kids, you know, uh, like a big band and stuff or whatever, uh, you know, like a, you learn, you learn in that process because you got you got to. Find a way, especially in my English, you know, you gotta find a way how to explain then what do you wanna do. And that in that process you gotta learn yourself. How do you do it or how do you so anyway, but musically speaking, and in the trumpet world, I, I would love uh, Freddie Howard for sure. Mm. One of my favorites, uh trumpet, Clifford Brown, of course. Yeah. Then you got you got so many, so many trumpet players, man, so many, you know, idols that you can mention. But uh yeah. It on that that way, and I, I got the chance to play with the old guys in Cuba, like Guajiro Mirabal. It's, it's like he was like my father, right? He was in the in the trumpet playing and also in the business too. He was the guy who opened doors for me. Right. Uh, basically, he, he gave me the opportunity to play with the Buena Vista and then travel all over the world. So it could be me, it could be there's a lot of twenty trumpet players that play play as well, you know, as the same as me or even better. You know what I mean? Like in Cuba, there's so many, and the competition is really strong. Because you gotta be good to be able to uh, get to the top. Mm-hmm. You gotta be able to get to the top to travel and to make money outside Cuba. Yeah. There's no way to make a living in Cuba just playing. I mean, it's a good job. The Trump, the, the music, is a great job because you travel and you make money. You can make more money than a doctor or an engineer or whatever. 
it's funny, it's crazy. Like music over here is not a job like people will look into it. You know what I mean? Like uh, when I came here, people asked me, what do you do for a living? I said, I play trumpet. No, no, no. What do you do for a living? I said, no, no. What do you do for a living? It's, yeah, they play trumpet, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't believe, right? They couldn't believe that I was all, I know, I knew how to do or what to do. You know what I mean? So, but well, the question, audios, idols. That's it, man. There's so many, too many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love uh, I love all kind of music. I listen to as much as I can mm-hmm. because music is so big and uh, there's a lot to learn. You never stop. You never stop learning. But uh, my other point is just uh, learn how to play at least a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. All kind of music. If you put me right now to play some funk, I will try to match that and just play funk. If we go and then we go to the jazz and we try to play some traditional jazz, then you play that kind of way. Latin, I won't play the same as playing the funk or playing the jazz. So yeah. and then the concert band, you play classical, and then you have to, you know, it's almost like you are a chameleon or you change the colors of your skin, you know, like an animal changing that. You have to change, you know what I mean? That's and to be able to do that, you need you need to have some knowledge of each kind of music, mm-hmm. at least a little. No, to be yeah. able to, and um, you can do it by yourself in your house, or you can do it by experience, you know, playing with people. And that's luckily that was my my way, you know, just doing it, playing, yeah, playing with, yeah just right. doing different experiences. And yeah, man, get into, and hopefully it's not too late. I'm already forty-six, but still doing, <laughs> still doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Miguelito, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been just a pleasure hearing your entire oh, story. Man. It's so fascinating. Yes, thank you, man. It's, it's very, it's very cool. Guys, too, I, hope, I hope everybody can understand my, uh, you know, my accent, accent, and all that. But, but uh, I hope everybody got a good time. I mean, it's, it's funny just to be talking, talking, talking. But, but it's all good. It's all good. I enjoy it too. And thank you guys for for having me. Absolutely. We keep in touch anytime. You know, if, if you have any any other questions or you want to talk about anything. You know where to find me now. So, so good. Great, great, yeah. Sounds you know, good. We'll send, we'll send you this interview when it comes up.